what's going on, Cornerstone? All right. Got a question for you. It's Sunday. It's 1035. A little brisk outside, but that's all right. Did anybody come excited about Jesus this morning? Let's go. Hey, all my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. I need you to know that I am extra caffeinated as well as extra exhausted. So I don't know what I'm going to say right now. Y'all pray for me. With that being said, hey, major shout out before I go any further to all of our first time guests. Cornerstone, let's make some noise for our first time guests. We're so grateful, so thankful that you guys decided to come and hang out with us this weekend. Y'all, we're going to continue on in the series uh, entitled Relationship Restart. This is week number three. Uh, during week one, we had a conversation around this idea of conflict. And here's the reality. The overarching theme of this entire series is for you and I to learn how to not get back at a person, but to get back with a person. So when we had this conversation during week one about conflict, we landed the plane that maybe, just maybe, the goal in conflict is not to prove how right I am. Maybe the goal in conflict is to just simply be light. Uh, week number two, we had this conversation around taking ownership for our part in relationships that there is a conflict in. So the big idea last week was peace begins with a look in the mirror. Because usually we own some part of that conflict. After the 905 service, during 1035, we're in worship. And this young lady walks up to me. I was standing in the back. And she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that I was at home and I was watching the service online. And the worship was so good and the message was so good that I had to come hear it in person. I said, thank you, Jesus. And then she said, can I ask you a question? I said, absolutely. She said, you told us at the end of the service that if we've got conflict with someone, your challenge was for us to go to that person and say, I'm sorry. So go to that person and ask, will you forgive me? And she says, here's my question. What if the person you've had conflict with and you, I'm supposed to go say sorry and I want to resolve this conflict is no longer alive? And I don't remember exactly what I told her because I wasn't quite prepared for a question of that magnitude. And I am very grateful and very thankful in the event that young lady is watching today or she's in the room. Thank you so much for your transparency and trusting me with that. It led me, though, to our big idea for today as it relates to reconciliation, which this whole series is really about learning how to reconcile with those we have differences with. And here's today's big idea. Aim for reconciliation. But if you miss, miss with no regrets. What I don't want to see happen to anyone in this room or anyone watching online is that you go through life knowing that there's a rift between you and somebody that you once cared about. And all of a sudden, there's this moment to where you can reconcile and for whatever reasons you choose not to and years down the road, you regret that you didn't. I'm excited for where this conversation is getting ready to go, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask the Holy Spirit to help me out. So would you join me in a word of prayer? And Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you would choose a guy like me to be your mouthpiece. Oh God, as I stand here, I pray that all the attention would be on you. Would you let them not see me? Would you let them only see you? 
And I pray that as you speak today through your word, that Holy Spirit, you will begin to do open heart surgery on the hearts of minds of every person that's here. And that we won't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. God, be with us during our time. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Give me preaching power that only comes from you. And God, I'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. So for those of you who don't know my personal story, I was born into this world as Brent Anthony Davis Jr. That was my legal name when I was born. Today, my legal name is Brent Anthony Hatchett. My stepdad was the man that raised me. I've known him since I was two years old. And we have a very unique bond. As a matter of fact, the last time I called him by his first name, I was in the fourth grade. In middle school, he gave me his last name. With that being said, from birth to 16, I can count on both of my hands the number of times I had had a conversation with my biological dad. It never came from my stepdad, whom I called dad, but there were other extended family members who unfortunately painted my biological father in a negative light. And because he was painted in a negative light, I inadvertently built up what the Bible calls a wall of hostility. It started with me asking very simple questions such as, how come he's never reached out to me? Does he not want me? We live in the exact same city. How come it feels like he's abandoned me? And let me just say that even though my dad, who is my stepdad, was in my life, it never could feel the void that I had for wanting to have a relationship with my biological dad. So the questions kept coming, which is how come he's never reached out to me and said, happy birthday? When I accomplished something at school, how come he's never there to see me get the recognition? And y'all, what ended up happening was, is it went from innocent questions to statements that were hostile. And the statements would go like this. I don't need him anyways. He's missed most of my life. As far as I'm concerned, he's a deadbeat dad. As a matter of fact, I cannot wait until I get older and I can show him what he missed out on. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look at him and tell him the best thing that happened to me was you not being in my life. I turned out better without you. And here's the truth, y'all. What ended up happening was as I continued to build this wall of hostility 
towards him. But I'm wise enough to know by the grace of God that I'm not the only person in this room who once upon a time built up a wall of hostility. Because I would notion or I would bet that there are some of you here today who are just like me. Whether it was an ex-spouse, whether it was a parent, whether it was a sibling, might have been a trusted family friend that said something to you, did something to you, or there was a lack of what they said and should have said, or a lack of what they did and did not do, and it's caused you to build up this wall of hostility. So here's what happened. At 16, I made a deal with God. I said, hey, Jesus, if you let me pass my driver's license test, I promise you I'll start taking myself to church. I passed my test. I started driving myself to church. I got saved. I gave my life to him. Greatest decision I ever could have made. He started to transform me. About six months into me walking with Jesus, Holy Spirit tugs on my heart. He says, hey, you need to reach out to your biological dad. I said, excuse me? <laughs> because here's the reality. I'm 16. I didn't walk away from him. He walked away from me. I didn't abandon him. He abandoned me. Because there are some of you in this room, we talked about taking a look in the mirror last week, but there are some cases where you do own zero. And in my mind, that wasn't fair. God, how are you going to ask me, the 16-year-old, to reach out to the adult? I didn't have language for it then, but I have language for it today at 36. You see, when I gave my life to Jesus, what ended up happening was, is because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, because of what he did at Calvary on that cross, the Bible teaches me that because of the cross, walls of hostility cannot coexist. In just a moment, I'm going to have you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 to prove to you why walls of hostility cannot coexist. But here's the issue I see with so many people. Again, I didn't have the language then, but I have the language now. You see, all too often, you and I give our lives to Jesus, and when we give our lives to Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you give your life to Jesus, the way you think, the way you act, the way you behave, the way you treated people before the cross cannot be the same after the cross. 
And what Jesus was trying to show me is I don't care if you're only 16. You gave your life to me. So you cannot allow pre-cross experiences to affect your post-cross behavior. This is what Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. There's two groups of people that Paul addresses in the church at Ephesus. There are Jews and there are Gentiles. And I usually don't use this type of language, but here's what you need to know. These two groups of people hated one another. They didn't just dislike one another. They literally hated one another. And Paul writes to them about this wall of hostility that cannot coexist because the cross has come into the picture. Here's what Paul writes. We're going to begin at verse number 8 in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, watch this, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So here's what Paul establishes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 8 through 10. He says, hey, you Gentiles, which be you and I, I need you to recognize that Jesus saved you not because you were so smart, not because you looked so good, not because you had an 850 credit score. He saved you because of his grace and his mercy. You didn't earn your salvation. Therefore, you can't boast about your salvation. But then he says this. He didn't just save you so that you could go to heaven. He saved you to do good works. He made you new in Christ for a purpose. And what I find so interesting is immediately after he writes to them and says he saved you to do good works, he starts the conversation about reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, which lets me know that reconciliation is a big deal to God. It's on the heart of God. Look at what he says, verse number 11. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. He says, you Gentiles, don't you remember there was a time when your enemy, the Jews, called you uncircumcised heathens? Brent Hatchett translation, they called you sinners with bad hygiene. But he says, don't trip, because you Jews, you ain't no better. The reality is, is why you might have had good hygiene on the outside, if I examine your heart on the inside, it was just as dirty. It was just as nasty. It was just as filthy. Both of y'all have issues. And here's what he goes on to say to the Gentiles. He says this, verse number 12. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. 
You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. He says, once upon a time you lived in this world and you had no hope. You had no purpose. You had no assignment. As a matter of fact, you were far away from God. But because of his grace, because of his love, because of his mercy, because of the blood that he shed, you have now been reconciled back to God. And look at what Paul says next. Verse number 14, he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us, He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, watch this, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Paul says, I know y'all hated one another, but because Jesus died on the cross, the wall of hostility you have built between the two of you must come down. It's been destroyed. It's very interesting, y'all, as we have this conversation about reconciliation, that when I think about reconciliation as a whole, do you not recognize that because you and I were sinners, there was a wall that separated us and God? You see, because of our sins, because we didn't put our faith in Jesus, we were separated from God. That's what sin does. It separates you from God. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, he tore down whatever wall was blocking us to God. And now you and I are reconciled back to God. The reason why I find this to be so critical is because reconciliation between us and God does not happen without Jesus being willing to die. How does that apply to you and I as it relates to relationships? Could it be that if you're going to reconcile with people, that you might have to die? I'm not talking about a physical death. But if the wall of hostility is going to be torn down between you and the person that God puts on your heart to reconcile with, maybe you might have to die to unforgiveness. Maybe you might have to die to bitterness. Maybe you might have to die to selfishness. Reconciliation doesn't take place. I hate to say it to you, but it doesn't take place without somebody being willing to die. There are three types of relationships that I believe are on the heart of God. One of the questions you should be asking yourself is simply this. Well, how do I know whether or not God wants me to reconcile with this person? Here's the three relationships. You got covenant relationships. You got family relationships. And then you got friendships. What's a covenant relationship? Covenant relationship is a relationship between a husband and a wife. Here's the truth. Husbands and wives should always strive to reconcile with one another. If you're in this room and you've been married for longer than a year, you know that there are seasons where marriage can be hard. Matter of fact, there are some seasons where you look and you ask yourself, man, what was I thinking when I said I do? 
Here's the truth. There are some marriages in this room that I know for a fact that are on the brink of a divorce. You're on the brink of throwing in the towel. And here's another fact. For some of you, you've even got a biblical reason to throw in the towel because of betrayal and the heartache and the pain that your spouse has caused you. Can I ask you a question? If both you and your spouse are repentive, what would it look like for the two of you to lock arms, trust in God, and allow him to walk you down the road of reconciliation? I know it's dark today, but what would happen if you kept fighting and a year or two years down the road, you saw hope on the other end? Because here's what Scripture teaches. What God has put together, let no man tear apart. Could it be that the thing that you are holding on to because it hurts you so bad, that if you would just trust God, he'll show you both, I got you. So there's the covenant relationship. But then there's the family relationship. It's a relationship between parents and kids, relationship between kids and parents. I know I'm speaking to some parents in this room to where there are seasons to where, no, every season, you without question, you love your kids. But if I walked up to you, you'd be like, hey, you like little Johnny right now? You could be like, <laughs> every newborn mom, my baby is so cute. But if this thing don't go to sleep at night, I don't know what's going to happen, right? There are these seasons, parents and children, where every now and again we go back and forth and we may not necessarily get along. But here's why family relationships are so important and why you and I should strive to reconcile them. Do you not realize that before God ever established the church, he first established the family? If I go to Genesis, he created the family first. The church comes later. Family is on the heart of God. Hence the reason why, children, you should obey your mother and father so that your days may be long on the earth. Flip side of that, parents, don't exasperate your children. And then there's a third relationship, which is friendships. Some may say, hey, that's not related to me by blood. I can throw friendships away. But here's the issue I see. When I think about Jesus and his friendships, not once do I see Jesus throw his friends away. Y'all, I would argue that Jesus had a best friend in the entire world. And I would say that Jesus' best friend in the entire world is a gentleman by the name of Peter. Peter was a good dude. Matter of fact, Peter's the kind of friend that you want because Peter's the kind of guy that in the event you get into a fight, you could always count on Peter to be packing. We, we even see it in Scripture. When they came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out that knife called Smith & Wesson. He chopped that man's ear off, and then Jesus had to heal it. But here it is. Jesus is in his darkest hour. He's on trial. He's sitting before the Sanhedrin. He's a few hours away from being crucified. And in his darkest moment, his best friend in the world 
on three different occasions says, I don't even know Jesus. Let me just tell you right now, I know you all have been hurt, but so has Jesus. And can I be honest with you, if, if I were Jesus after my resurrection and I ran into Peter, oh, buddy, we got some stuff to talk about. And it ain't going to be nice. But that's not the approach that Jesus takes. If you want to go read the story, you can look it up in John chapter number 21. He takes all of the disciples out to breakfast. After they finish eating, he sits down with Peter, and he starts to ask Peter a couple of questions. Matter of fact, he asks him the same question three different times. And here's what Jesus says. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But here's what you need to know, especially if you may be new to church. When Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? That word love that Jesus uses in the Greek is a word called agape. And agape means that I love you without conditions. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, I agape you. When Peter responds back, Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter's not saying, Jesus, I agape you. Peter is saying, yes, Lord, I phileo you, which means I love you like a friend. I love you like a brother, but I don't love you unconditionally. Here's why this is mission critical as it relates to reconciliation. If God has put it on your heart to reconcile with someone, you may have to be willing for a season to love them more than they love you. You see, here's a hard truth. It's easy to love a person that's willing to love you back the same way. But true reconciliation happens when you can be mature enough because of what Jesus did for you to say, even though you don't love me as much as I may love you, I'm still willing to love you even more. And let me be clear, because I don't want you all to think that I'm talking about emotions. Here's what it means to love you even more. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It keeps no record of wrong. So here's what I mean by that. In this season, I'm going to be more patient with you. I'm going to be more kind to you. I'm not going to be boastful, and I'm not going to keep a record of wrong. I'm going to love you a little bit more than you love me. And here's the truth, y'all. That's okay. And you know why it's okay? Because Jesus loves you more than you love him. There's not a single person in this room that loves Jesus more than he loves you. Because you and I have made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. But every time, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives, he forgives. And he always chases us and reconciles himself back to us. What's the rest of the text say? I'm almost out of time. Here we go. Verse number 15. It says, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace. Between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And watch this. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. 
Now, when Jesus died, he didn't just reconcile us back to himself. He opened the door for you and I to be reconciled to one another. So what happened between me and my biological dad? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. <laughs> 16, I know I'm supposed to reach out. I asked my mom to find his phone number. She finds his phone number. I sent him a text message. Text message says this. Hey, this is Brent, your son. I just wanted to take a moment and wish you a happy Father's Day. Here's what you need to know. Y'all, we were nowhere near Father's Day. I just didn't know what to text the man. I'm 16. I, I just had no clue. Next day, gives me a phone call. I don't remember what was said, but I do remember that we would have regular conversations after that. And because of that text message, here's what ends up happening. The wall, at least a layer of it, came down. And we keep talking after I graduate from high school. And then somewhere along the way, and he and I's relationship, something else happened. And because something else happened that wasn't positive, we stopped talking again. Matter of fact, we stopped talking again until I turned 24. I turned 24, I get a message on Facebook, it's from my biological sister. She says, hey, Grandma Lewis has died. That's his mom. I live in Tallahassee, Florida. The funeral was in Indianapolis, Indiana. I get in my little 2009 Hyundai Sonata that needed an oil change and new tires, and I drive all the way up to Indianapolis, Indiana to go to the funeral. And if I'm being honest, I did not go to the funeral to pay my respects because I really didn't know Grandma Lewis that well. I went to the funeral because I knew he would be there. He sees me, he's shocked, he smiles, he says, hey, son. I say, hey, give him a hug. He says, um, he knows I'm a preacher. Do you mind doing the invocation? And for those of you who are like, what's that? An invocation is just the opening prayer at a funeral. I said, sure. So the officiant walks up to me and, he, and the officiant says, hey, son, uh, what's your name? And I say, Brent. And he says, what's your last name? And I look at the officiant. And I say, Davis. Now, my legal name is Brent Hatchett. But I said Davis because in that moment, I wanted to honor him. Because the Bible teaches honor your mother and father so that your days may be long upon the earth. And here's what happened. More walls came down. After the funeral, we go to the reception, and I get the chance to ask him all of the questions. Hey, how come you weren't there? How come you never reached out? How come you never called? How come you never talked? Now, mind you now, I probably should have been a little bit more graceful because the man did just bury his mom. I say that to say 
when you go to reconcile with someone this week, next week, next month, next year, go in with an attitude of grace. And he answers all the questions. And he can't give me complete answers because he's kind of going through a really hard time in his life. But because we had the conversation, more walls came down. Was that the, I wish it would have ended it and been like, oh, that's a happy ending and now we talk all the time. 2018, we fell out again. Stopped talking again. But the wall isn't as high as it was. And there are some of you who are saying to yourself, hey, Pastor Brent, what if my situation is like yours? Like you reach out to the person and things don't go well. And here's what I would tell you. Reconciliation is your responsibility. Their response is not. Period. Their response is not. That's why this whole message is aimed for reconciliation. But if you miss, miss with no regrets. So 2018, we stopped talking. 2020, COVID year, everybody's a little emotional. We reconcile. And here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that since 2020, my biological dad and I probably talk once every two to three weeks. Do we have a perfect relationship? No. Will we ever have a perfect relationship? Maybe. But here's the cool thing. The wall of hostility no longer exists. And let me tell you this. You need to hear this. I want you to know that in my story, which is still being written, I am not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And while the story between he and I is still being written, I want you to know that Jesus has a desire to continue to write yours. He's got a desire to walk with you down the road of reconciliation. There's only so much I can say in 30 minutes, and I know there's a ton of stories in this room that go far deeper than what I can address. As a matter of fact, I didn't say it during the first service. I want to say it during this service. If you're here today and you've gone through a deep hurt, a deep pain, a deep betrayal, I want to encourage you to go to counseling. Because what I've learned is that an amazing combination is counseling and the cross. Put both of those together. And my prayer is that the same way God worked on my heart would be the same way that he works on your heart. So here's my final commission. Aim. Aim for reconciliation. But if you miss... Miss with no regrets. Can I pray for you? Hey, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person that's in this room. I thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And God, here's what we make a commitment to say. We surrender the pen to you so that you can write the rest of the chapters. 
would you touch our hearts in such a way to where we leave this place saying, no matter what it costs us, we want to be obedient to your will. Father, I pray for every broken relationship. God, you're a healer. So by your grace and your mercy, would you begin to heal the relationships in this room that are broken? Relationships in marriage, relationships between parents and children, relationships between friends. Would you heal? And as we go down this road, we rejoice in the fact that your word says, no matter how hard it gets, you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said amen. Come on, y'all. I hope that message was meaningful for you as it was for myself. Hey, if you're wanting to pray with somebody, please text PRAYER to 21999, and our team would love to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.